0: At the T-3-minute mark, tape recorders on board the spacecraft were turned on. These recorders record both voice and data. 7.7 million MLP operating out of Burlington, Vermont 105.9. The Radiator is a rocket shop supported in part um, by an award from the Burlington City Arts Community Fund. I'm your host Tom Proctor and with me tonight is Rick Poleri and Ben Bergstein. Uh, They're in promoting and presenting the Great Vermont Barn Dance. How's it going guys?
1: Doing well, going fine. Doing well. We're glad to be here, right, Ben?
2: We are so glad. It's
1: like old times, you know. We used to do a radio show. We, we did. It was called Fellow Travelers, right? It was. It was part of the Radiator, but it was down when it was in the other building.
0: We've uh, we've moved a few places yep. really since then. Yep. I think this is the uh, fourth iteration that I've known since I've uh, worked well, here, and it's been about two years.
2: So. We're on the third floor in College Street, and. It was it was fun, you know. It was great. It was fun. It
1: gave us a chance to get out and and, uh, you know I think that that's the wonderful thing about community radio, is that it gives people a chance to have their voice heard. That's what it's all about. And uh, we're really honored to, uh, to to be here, and to have a chance to talk about this this interesting concept.
2: Your interesting concept, Rick. yes.
1: What I, what I call a dream seed.
2: Mm. <laughs> your, your interesting concept being
0: the uh, the Great Vermont Barn Dance. It's um,
1: not well. That's part of it. It's it's the Great Vermont Barn Dance live stream. Okay. So it is actually going to be a concert, but it's going to be really about the stream using Facebook as a way, just like in the old days, back in, in the old days when they had the radio shows in the 1940s, where they were using that radio signal mm-hmm. to trans, uh, transport that, their sound all the way up to Canada. You know, back in those days, you know, they, they, they had radio stations down in Mexico, and the, the signal was so hot that you could actually hear the radio on the bobbed wire. That's how hot the, 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 those signals were.
2: No, you know, The airwaves weren't that crowded then and people were a lot more isolated. So having something they could listen to every week that was familiar. Um, you know, the same with the early days of television. People would start to identify with the people who were doing the broadcast. No, when we were talking the other day,
1: uh, I was uh, interviewing old Terry King, who mm-hmm. used to be part of the Green sure. Mountain Volunteers, and, and Terry was. We were talking about the early days of radio, and uh, I think that this is. Uh, I'm going to ask you, Ben, about your first radio experience. I mean, when you first listened to radio, what, what was the what kind of radio was
2: it? I mean, okay, first of all, uh, I grew up in Manhattan in New York, and. Um, the, my radio, um, I, I was really into sports then and uh, I used to listen very late at night to the, uh, the professional teams and what they would do at that point is if there was conflicting uh, events, they would tape one and play the other one live and then play the other one afterwards. So I didn't sleep much, Mm you know, because it would be like two, three o'clock in the morning by the time that would happen. Also Sunday radio. Sunday radio was a big deal, you know, with um, story time shows and adventure shows and um, uh, folk music uh, programs that actually I went to some of those live. And they were kind of interesting. Uh, Oscar Brand. Uh, had his radio program for years. Uh, and it was really cool to, you know, first to envision it as where are they, what are they doing, and then actually go there. It was really cool.
1: Now, physically, when, when, when you're talking about your radio, what did it look like? What oh, my the, radio? What did your radio look
2: like? Um, it was um, uh, what they now call uh, mid-century modern, you know, my... <laughs> <laughs> My parents bought this thing new and it had um, a seventy eight uh, to finally thirty three uh, uh, and a third uh, r- uh, rpm rpms and 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 then it had a little radio attached to it and on the knob there was a dial you know that moved right to left with these big numbers and you did the dial and it was so sensitive that you know get actually honing in on a station you know you had to it was it was like a real art but you know there was the major stations and they would try to crowd out all the little ones and and sometimes you'd catch some really cool stuff like you were saying you could get the stuff out of the south uh if you know where to look mm-hmm. so, so yeah
0: so, um talking of radio and of missions and uh and how it used to be viewed and listened to, how is that going to be replicated in the project that
1: you are currently uh, creating? Well, I'm glad you asked because that's what, what this is kind of a retro thing because we are doing this with the, the technology of today, you know, on the Facebook live stream, but we are using uh, the old style microphone i have a microphone from uh, ear trumpet labs out of portland oregon and it is one of those it, when you look at it it looks like you're back in the 40s and it's one of those uh, kind of uh, microphones that everyone will be able to be heard but we're gonna have to move in and move out and uh, looks no- like a
2: spider web a yeah little bit. and nobody's
1: yeah. plugging in okay this is it when I was telling all the performers I said okay you know we're all playing together and great great you know and then they were talking about what they need I said nope said we're not doing that we're, we're all going to do it like an old-fashioned radio show from the 1940s. And, you know, there were these barn dance shows. Uh, that they were the one, the big barn dance show out in Chicago. Before, you know, that was the one that, that Woody Guthrie used to listen to. Is, is that
0: uh, the one where uh, Elvis was first
1: showcased? That was Louisiana Hayride. Uh, that was Elvis down in okay. Sharifport, Louisiana. But this one, I don't know if Elvis was ever on the great barn dance out of Chicago but, I but they had it. them all over the place and uh, they, were, they were really popular in the, in the 30s and the 40s and um, I was thinking about it, I was performing down in Nashville uh, and I went to um, a little uh, kind of live stream uh, yeah. radio uh, internet kind of thing called Viva Nash Vegas and it was put on by uh, George Hamilton the 5th who recorded Abilene and, uh, and baby Ruth, right, a rose and a baby Ruth, and, um, and his son, uh, and uh, I started thinking about that, I said, you know, we have a lot of great talent right here in Vermont, why don't we try to do something like this? I mean, we, you know, we all have put on folk festivals, Ben puts on the uh, Vermont International Folk Festival. Um you know and uh, you put on all different types of kind of a more international program yeah
2: we try to keep things local though we you know we've got a lot of emigres and uh, they they've all brought their folk cultures with them, and you know they perform it for each other but not for the general population so this is a a chance for everybody to see everyone else but uh, Rick, the part that um Uh, I know as part of your thinking is uh, you and I both have traveled a lot and performed a lot and made friends all over the world, and uh, your choosing the time to do this program was very clever because it allows your, your constituency, which is worldwide at this point, to be able to find out your influences. Uh, because of the time of the broadcast, it's either in the morning or in the evening. It's in the middle of our day, uh, but it gives these people a chance to hear what where where you come from,
1: and and yeah. and the wealth the wealth of music and and not just the music because you know that's why Ben you know is bringing the the uh, Green Mountain volunteers and and uh, I don't know if you heard about that. Uh, So, Ben, why don't you just tell them a little bit about the Green Mountain Volunteers?
2: Oh, my God. Okay. Back in the day, uh, before groups traveling um, for um, presentation was thought of by many people, um, we formed uh, a dance group doing traditional New England style dance, which obviously is heavily Western Europe influenced and French, influ- French Canadian influenced, um, to places where American dance groups had not been, because in Europe and Asia and Africa, a lot of places, they have all these festivals and it's usually surrounding countries that go to them. Uh, but Americans, uh, because there's no money in this, it's not a professional thing, uh, Americans didn't think to travel this way. You know, Americans traveled by uh, going on tours presented by tour companies, or they went in the way, popu- the way popular to most Americans for a long time, and that is uh, as aggressors, <laughs> you know, as military or as uh, in- industrial folks, but, but not, um, not to go to present uh, a culture. And
0: isn't quite as friendly when you're shooting at them.
2: What? So the population you're
0: visiting isn't quite as friendly when you're shooting at them.
2: Certainly. <laughs> yeah, and, and we as individuals had gone um, to see these things, and so we got our, our influence for doing the kind of thing that we do here in the States, and also the way we presented our folklore. We saw festivals of this type in Western Europe and Eastern Europe Uh, where local villages would present their folklore. uh, And that gave us the idea, uh, why not? I mean, why not get a group together and represent America in a way that's different from the Hollywood model or the military or industrial model? You know, just folks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't you think
1: that was was one of the great ways of... You know being when you're you're doing this,
2: you are unofficially an ambassador of our country and that was a key point too. Mm-hmm. We did not look for state department approval, we did not ask for grants, we just pooled our money together and we did it per people to people mm-hmm. uh, which um, gave us a lot of freedom. Uh, you know it, obviously it's more expensive that way for us, but uh, certainly a lot less restrictive.
0: Out of curiosity, what year did this start? Uh,
2: we started in 1978. Okay.
0: And um, was it, you, you mentioned you, you, you were inspired when you went into Houston, Europe, and you saw these cultural festivals. Did you travel yourself with the Green Mountain Volunteers, or did you invite people from other cultures to America to, to view American folk culture here?
2: Both. Um, the idea was cultural exchange. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, a lot of countries that we were introduced to outside of the Western European ones, um, a lot of countries which are either referred to as third world countries or at that point communist countries Mm -hmm. uh, were really into promoting their cultures so they would have local, regional and national competitions Um, and the winners of those things would receive stipends to then go abroad and represent their culture so that was the kind of thing that we saw and knowing full well that our approach was totally opposite that we did not want anyone's approval we were just people doing our culture in present day with uh with references uh physical references to the last century so our our costumes were older style. Um, but even today, you can go to a contra and square dance in lots of places, and it's done in its modern, uh, its modern uh, interpretation now. But um, we did enough research to find out from colonial era through the mid-1950s what this kind of thing looked like um, and represented it in that way, to try to match the cultures we were meeting that were pretty much represented in the last hundred years or so uh, as well.
0: Now America is been known for, for centuries as uh, this great melting pot of various different immigrant, immigrant uh, cultures that have all, all came over here to find a new world. Right. So um, did you see quite a lot of the American cultural traditions that you brought to these um, uh, You brought to these events mirrored uh, By the other cultures in the other countries that you met because America does have that kind of big old melting pot So I can (laughs) imagine a lot of it was borrowed from the very people you were kind of
2: we are definitely derivative Yeah, and yes, we could see in the Western European cultures in some of the children's games even African stuff, but certainly certainly you could see the influences everywhere and so could they and that was kind of cool yeah yeah and it also made it easier for them to understand what we were doing because they could say you know the danes could see similar formations and even tunes slightly changed around as what happens over time Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah uh, those comparisons made it a lot more acceptable. Uh, it also made it easier for us to involve them, and which was part of our style, that we would do a show and then participation and people would jump up to get involved and it was very easy for them to do.
1: Now one of the reasons that, uh, that I wanted Ben's group to be a part of this is that because it really is an anniversary of the year. Ah, uh, yes. And there's going to be many events that are going to be taking place throughout the year uh, where the group uh, will be getting together again t- to celebrate. Now, why is it important? I think is because it was able to get a lot of people a different uh, global awareness. When they participated in, uh, in the Green Mountain Volunteers, uh, they learned not only uh, about uh, the other countries, but learned a lot about ourselves.
2: Yeah, it was always interesting, particularly the people who were farmers here. Some of them never got out of their their towns, and suddenly they're in Spain representing New England Mm. on TV. You know, it's like, whoa! So, yeah, we did get that kind of thing. We also had kids born into the group, literally born into the group, where the parents were involved. Mom had a child. The child ended up as a cradled child as part of a family on set. Mm and grew up in the group and now here we are 40 years later and those kids have kids. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of interesting in that respect and you know in terms of yeah and we also had a children's group a separate group where we had middle school kids who you know their focus were themselves and their friends and for them as well to go to all of these other places in the world and see and they were concerned about going. And I said, I'll give you five minutes to find out that those kids are just like you.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And they would. And they were just, you know, that kind of eye-opener that, sure, there are some cultural differences. But kids are kids and people are people. There are good ones, bad ones, you know, all different kinds. And the idea of idealizing any culture as being all good or all bad is nuts. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's only through personal contact. That, that that comes out, um, and yeah, that was certainly a big thing with us. We we would have certain very few rules about engagement, um, but we had to. We didn't want anyone um, openly engaging in political discussion. That wasn't why we were there. You know, cultural discussion, yes. Personal lives, no problem. But taking a political stance. In a foreign country, we didn't consider that our role, mm-hmm. and it—you know—it really allowed people to relax. Um, you know, both ourselves and our guests and our hosts.
0: Um, yeah. And I can imagine that. So the uh, the Green Mountain volunteers are going to be performing at the Great Great Vermonts. That's right. Is there any other cultural delegations from around the world coming?
2: No. Well, yeah, and the thing about performing, Rick is not letting us off the hook because we, <laughs> we tried getting together for our last international festival. And as you can imagine, over a 40-year period of time, people have different lives now. Mm-hmm. And it's been 15 years, so it's not like it's part of their routine. We could not get enough people, although there were probably 150, 200 people over the 40 years involved, we couldn't get enough people to come together to practice and pull it off. Mm-hmm. So we put it off. But he wouldn't let us out of this one. And um, our one and only rehearsal is going to take place after 15 years since <laughs> the newest members were in the group. Mm-hmm. is going to be at 10 o'clock in the morning, the day of the show. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he, lo- he was nice. He gave us an hour. <laughs> so, well, you know. There you go. Well, you know, I'll tell you. <laughs>
1: The thing about, you know, when I was kind of, I call this a, a, a kind of a, um, a dream seed. You know, when I get an idea and I started kind of thinking about it, I wanted something that was going to uh, get people to interact with one another and also highlight some people that uh, you don't hear enough about that you should. And that's the case with Chris Kleeman. Now, Chris Kleeman is one of the, we have a lot of fantastic guitar players, you know, here in Vermont. I mean, Paul Asbell. I mean, I could go on and on and on. They're just fantastic guitar players. A lot of them live in this area. Chris Kleeman lives, you know, down near Chester. So we don't get a chance to hear him. His first album was produced by B.B. King. Uh, It gives you an idea of how good he's been and uh, he continues to be brilliant. And I said, you know, when I was thinking about this idea, I said, it's, it's for people like Chris Kleeman that I want to sure. do this. Yeah. And, uh, and then when the, the idea started you know, really percolating, it was, okay, let's see what else we can do. Other people that we could get involved in this. And one of our great uh, kind of authors that is local, you hear him a lot on, uh, on VPR doing commentaries, uh, is Bill Schubart. It's interesting that I also was working with Bill, Uh, we put together a uh, a special concert where we were, you might have read about it in, in seven days, where we're taking Utah Phillips' Flanger car and we moved it from here in Vermont out to Weed, California, and it's there now. Folks, anybody who went there to that concert, you would be so happy to know that Duncan Phillips, his brother, uh, Brendan Phillips, who are Utah Phillips sons, uh, they did it. They pulled it off. They made it happen. And when people were you know, thinking about how are you going to get this you know, 100-year-old flanger car like a caboose across the country? How are you going to do that? Well, they put it on two trucks. That's how they did it. And the two trucks drove all the way out to Weed, California, near Mount Shasta, and that's where that caboose is sitting. Now, Bill Schubart was uh, the, uh, the record uh, owner of Philo, Philo. Philo
2: Records. Philo Records, with, and that's where the caboose Mike, was. For Mike Couture. Mike Couture, the, yeah. two, the two brothers, which is where we first met uh, Bill Schubart because he, he was a producer, owner and producer, and Green Mountain Volunteers' first product first musical product came through there was done at their their studio
1: so you know uh, it was really important for me that it wasn't you know just the usual program has one or two acts and they're usually the same right you know I mean they're like music but I said wow let's let's do it like this old variety show Mm -hmm. so we have dancing and we have storytellers and you know and I asked Mark Lavoie plays great blues harp and uh, I was Thinking about you know one of the first grand old Opry shows, uh, they had a harmonica player on there, huh. uh, and I said you know, uh, it just seemed like a kind of a fitting thing because this is this is what we're we're kind of trying to recreate this feeling this old feeling, and so it's going to be live. As it's happening, there's not going to be any editing, there's not going to be you know, any turning around. Once we start streaming, it goes out. And a live audience. And a live audience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have probably, probably, I don't know, somewhere 30 or 50 I get people. I got some people coming. Yeah, there are yeah. probably about 50 yeah. people all sitting in there watching this and realizing that we are trying to push the envelope a little bit. you know. I mean, because think about it. You probably have friends, right? They go to a concert. You have friends?
2: I, yeah, Tom yeah, has like friends. To that, okay. Yeah.
1: You have friends. They go to a concert, right? They pick up their little phone, mm-hmm. and they start streaming a little bit of the concert. But that's a concert that's already in progress. Mm-hmm. That's not a broadcast that was really created to do a live stream. And that's what we're doing. Okay. So it's, it's a different kind of a thing. It's not like, oh, we're just doing a concert, and we're... Well,
2: the no. era the era of variety shows has been gone quite a while. Uh, I you know, my parents' era, um, you know, you sat down and you watched. At, uh, at, and so you know, and, yeah, <laughs> there there were a bunch of them uh, in the 40s and 50s and early 60s, yeah. and that's when the whole family would gather around and exactly. and do something together. Radio shows the same thing. So if you want to draw any parallels, you know, it's like what's happened to the nuclear family and, you know, about them being entertained by one source. Yeah, it's really it's really not happening anymore. And so the industry has gone in the same direction. They have shows for for members of the family that other people in the family are not interested in. And this is a great so, way to yeah. get people to come together on a, on a Sunday afternoon. Now, probably if you turn
1: back the clock, you know, many years ago, you would probably have this kind of a thing happening right here at Grange Halls, town halls, yep. where mm-hmm. people would be getting together, sitting around, especially on, on these days where you, it's harder to work, uh, and telling stories, uh, mm-hmm. playing a little bit of music. And that's what we're trying to do is bring back the sense of community. Because, you know, let's, you know, as much as we love our phones and we love, you know, being connected, it's also important that we disconnect from just the idea of staring at something and communicating with not a real person, but to actually start really interacting with people. You know, like the way that it used to be, the way that we remember. I mean, like, that's like, I'm, I think about it sometimes and I think about, you know, when I was growing up and I used to stick out my thumb and, and where I went, I don't, I don't even, I didn't even know where I was going. You know, I'd stick out my thumb and the car would pick me up and take me miles and miles away. And sometimes I would go to the place that I wanted to go and sometimes I'd go somewhere else. It was just as good. It didn't just really like been. just like now, Rick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still doing the same thing. You know. And uh, and I feel I feel that, that the, the younger generation, you know, you're constantly monitored. You know. We lost our sense of adventure because we can always tell where we are and what we're doing. Everybody knows where you are.
2: Well, you know? because because now there's more fear about the unknown. Right. Um, you, yeah.
1: I'd like I'd like to
0: uh as the voice of the millennials in this conversation. I, I would say it's uh uh maybe less about a fear of the unknown and more just the practicalities of having a computer in your pocket or the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It's, uh, it's knowing that you can find out the information like that. Uh rather than fearing you don't have the
2: information. Mm-hmm. I, I think also some of the adventure is taken out, and you know also some of the ingenuity in finding things out. You're allowing other people to feed feed you information rather than you seek it out for yourself. It's uh, yeah, I, it, it is. It's it's a blessing and a curse. Certainly.
1: Now Tom, I wanted to tell you how how did how did this this whole idea come into my head? And and this is the way. I'm, how did it come it, into it your was, head? It right? was <laughs> it was percolating. It was percolating, but remember a couple of weeks ago back in the first week in November where we all lost power? A lot of us lost power. I did for about 30 minutes of power. Well, in Heinsberg, we lost power for 4 days. Yeah. Or so. oh, wow. And, uh, and you were and, going crazy. No, no, no. <laughs> we, we were invited to go over to our friend Mitch Barron and, and Susan Abel's house, and we were sitting there. And I started talking with Mitch, and I said, you know, after doing the, the Utah the Phillips uh, benefit for the for the Flanger Car, it made me really want to do something again. And I, did, I didn't want to just do a festival because we've been down that road. And uh, it, I wanted to do something that was different, that was more immediate that we could actually do it in quick time, that it wasn't gonna cost a fortune. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, Mitch, uh, who's part of the, you know, Beth and, and Richard Wayne and Mitch Barron will be playing. you know Mitch and I were kinda of just kicking around the idea. And I said, well, you know, he, the, the idea said, well, Rick, you know, people aren't gonna come just to play a concert in the middle of, you know, why would they come? That's what Mitch said. Why would they come? And I started thinking about it, I go, well, you think they would come if it was broadcast all over the world? And then all of a sudden the light bulb started going off. And Mitch and I started talking about it and talking about it. And then a few days later I started calling people up. And, uh, and it, originally Chris Kleeman was in my mind, but I wasn't sure that Chris would come. Um, so I started talking to some people that were local that I knew that, that might be uh, able to, to get there. And as more people expressed interest... Um, Chris said yes, he would do it, and so that was that was kind of amazing. Uh, and and really, folks, I, I hope that that you, you know even if you don't come, uh, you know, in person, you can watch it on on the Facebook live stream, uh, or check out the, the the recordings of these different people.
2: Okay, Rick. Some of the people we're talking about who might be interested in this, and I've had the question asked of me. Just look it up on YouTube, all right? And they go, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea how to do this. Where do I find it? Tell me how. Tell me how. Tell me how. Yeah. Because millennials, they got it, right. all right? But the old farts, come on, man. Yeah. You know, how are they going to find this thing? Well, unfortunately, we, we, don't, we
1: don't have you know, as direct a path as we'd like at this point. At this point, what we have is is me streaming it on my Facebook page. So if the people are connected with me on Facebook or a friend of a friend of a friend, anybody who has anything to do with me, they can tell a friend. We can put my Facebook, you know, the the Facebook Rick Polari. That's all you got to look for. And it will, you know, we'll have a prompt, you know, during the day so that people know that this is coming up. And I have interest from people all over the world. At this point, uh, we have people in Israel and people uh, over in England and Scotland, and we have people in uh, over in Jerusalem, uh, people in Australia. They've all expressed interest that they're they're waiting to see. They're waiting. What can we do here in Vermont? And that's the other thing. It's it's about like you know giving them a taste of a, a place that maybe nobody. Has been to. Sure. You know? And and
2: with that I'll sing a song.
1: Wait, wait, we'll, we'll Ricky, Ricky, wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. Go, Go ahead.
2: What if you don't have Facebook? No. Then you're screwed. No, well, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. No, no. No, no, Okay. I mean then you can once once because once it airs, it will be archived, and then you can take that stream and you can send it to people by All email. All right. That's what I wanted to hear. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. So you can send it by email but they won't be able to watch it live. live
2: okay, why you know? don't you sing a song now? I'll
1: sing this song, okay. all right. <laughs> so, this is, a, this is a song that I wrote, and, and, it, and it's a song, and it was about the, this whole idea about Vermont, you know? And the idea that, you know, I grew up in New Jersey, and I know how bad things can be. <laughs> so, so, you know, when, when other people like from New Jersey were moving up here and they wanted to put up a shopping mall or they to, I was like, well, don't make Vermont like New Jersey, you know. And I was reading this really interesting article, and this is what, what spurred this song, um, in the Rutland Herald, because I was living in Springfield, uh, Vermont at the time, and it talked about the rattlesnake. Mm-hmm. And it said that there, there's only a few places in Vermont where there's habitat for a rattlesnake. They're talking more about this now than ever before. But that was the only time I heard about it. And I, sa- I started thinking about it. I said, well, if there's, not, if there's not any habitat for a rattlesnake, then really everything is changing. I mean, you know, there should be some wild places that you could still go to in Vermont. And it started making me think about the catwalk. Yeah. Uh, and, and the whole thing about the catamount, as we still really don't know. They're, you know, the hunters are always seeing the tracks in the snow, mm-hmm. and they might be out there. <laughs> Maybe we didn't get them all. <laughs> I'm remembering the days, or I went away, way back in the hills of Vermont, and the orchard on the hill. I think I see it still. Way back in the hills of Old Vermont Or oh, tonight I long to be Where the catamount run free Where the rattlesnake can lie out in the sun Near the voices of the loons When the apple blossoms bloom Way back in the hills of Old Vermont There used to be a barn Near the old fishing pond Way back in the hills of Overmont So many fields of hay Now gone with yesterday Way back in the hills of Overmont Oh, tonight I long to be Where the catamaran run free Where the rattlesnake can lie out in the sun the voices, all the loons When the apple blossoms bloom Way back in the hills of Old Vermont Well, everything has changed Nothing stays the same Way back in the hills of Old Vermont Like the old brown panthers roar You won't hear that no more Way back in the hills of Old Vermont for tonight I long to be where the catamaran run free, where the rattlesnake can lie out in the sun. Hear the voices of the loons when the apple blossoms bloom, way back in the hills of Old Vermont. But when the rains came down and flooded many towns, Way back in the hills of old Vermont All the neighbors lent a hand For the lovin' of the land Way back in the hills of old Vermont For tonight I long to be Where the catamount run free Where the rattlesnakes can lie out in the sun Near the voices of the loons. When the apple blossoms bloom Way back in the hills of old Vermont Yeah. Ooh. Now, you know, one of the things that... One of the dancers that you're going to have is a great singer, Deb Flanders. Talk Indeed. about somebody who loves to sing
2: songs about Vermont. Well, you know why? Of course. Of course. Because her aunt was the quintessential collector... Of traditional songs in this area for many years, and uh, Ellen Yeah, and she and uh, Deb decided she wanted to um, uh, activate the collection and put out has put out a couple of recordings now uh, based on her her aunt's songs. Um, actually, you know the the CD that we put together uh, called the Vermont Sampler has her singing a few of them. Yep. As well.
1: And I'm sure, you know, you as know. the year goes on, there's going to be chances for uh, that kind of thing to, to happen again. You know, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this, this kind of thing, uh, you know, doing the, this great Vermont barn dance stream because I, I think that it's going to be interesting for these different folks, uh, you know, people in, in Jerusalem, people over in Australia, you know, to see what we're like here in Vermont and I think that it, it's we're gonna you know send out a little bit of a uh, signal and this is what we we're talking about earlier about the Green Mountain volunteers you know it's really easy for us to hate people when we don't know them when they don't have a name where they don't have a face all they have is you know, a, a, word. St-
2: a stereotype. Right. Yeah.
1: You know, but you know, once you get to know people, then everything changes. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't think I like those people, but, but boy, But I, that one. That one I really like. That one's and different. There's another one and another one. <laughs> and this is how we yeah. change. We can change a little piece of the world. One of the great mentors that I had in my life that taught me so much was Pete Seeger. And Pete used to say... We, musicians, can teach the politicians that not everyone has to sing the melody. That's, that's a good Pete. <laughs> and, and it's true, it's, it's like, you know, we always don't have to do the lead. We can sing the harmony, we can be in the background, we yep. can work together. People are always thinking about, you know, you, if you spend too much time on social media, you go crazy. Because, you know, everybody is, is, is hiding behind the wall of anonymity, about, you know, hiding who they are and they're posting Mm -hmm. terrible things. And you know, I truly believe, I truly believe that most of the people in this country are not like that. Yeah, I really want to believe that.
0: Is this your method of getting people outside the uh, kind of standardized bubble? That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: It's one of the ways. One of the ways that we we artists you know uh, have been been doing this for so many years is trying to uh you know create opportunities for dialogue and we don't we don't always have to agree with one another i mean I have a lot of friends down south that if we were talking politics we we wouldn't stay in the same room but You know, we can pick up a guitar, a fiddle, and a banjo, and we can sit there and we can smile and we can laugh. And that's the first step. Mm. That's the first step. That's how we start the change.
2: Ricky, I wanted to talk to you about the future of this program. Um, I know, you know, the first ones, it's like having a baby. Not that I know what it's like having a baby, but uh, the idea of doing the first one when you're having to having to think about all the details and um, So, okay, so the first one's over Uh, Then what?
1: Well, I think what we do is we sit down and we talk. I think that all the people that are interested will sit down and talk and we'll say what did we do right? What things can we learn and then we do another one and uh, And then we'll invite different people so that the family grows In other words, like some of the people who are coming are a lot lot of the people, in fact, are are well-known performers that will be sitting in our studio audience because they couldn't get on this time. But they're hoping to get on next time. And that's cool. Mm -hmm. That's cool. That's what we need. We need that support. You know from the Vermont International Festival that without people coming to the events year after year, supporting events, they die. They die. It's sad. I mean, we all love the, the Champlain Valley Folk Festival. We all wanted it to succeed. We all worked hard. I was on the board of directors, so many of us, you know, but people did not come out and it's support it. Too small a family. And yeah. so the other idea why do a live stream? People don't want to go anywhere. They don't want to go anywhere. They want to sit sit there, and look at their phones, and they want to look at their tablets. So let's bring the show let's to Let's give them. them
2: something to look at. <laughs> let's give
1: them something to look at. Right. You know, instead of just looking at your phone, let's give them something really that is, hopefully, something that is fun, uh, educational, and enlightening, uh, all in one. So you're coming to your audience throughout expecting your audience to come to you again.
2: and that's the advantage of today's technology that you you can do that right and that's
0: in, in a way that that's exactly what happened 70 years ago in the 1940s when people were listening to radio shows yeah. on barbed wire
1: yep. that's right that's right the, yep.
0: the show was coming to them was getting up to
1: Chicago was a, a lot more for pain those days than that's right. previously where it is today a, and can you imagine that you know here you are a young you know a young person like I, for me I remember listening to FM, WNWFM out of mm. New York City, yeah, <laughs> and I remember listening to AM radio, you know, with Harry Harrison in the morning, and, and you know, this was your link to the outside world. I think the, the thing that really touched it best for me was when that movie came out, that American Graffiti, of how, you know, music and the radio and how it was all linked to growing up and i think that you know for me listening to the radio at night uh you know especially on the fm see the fm is where you would hear the cool the stuff The cool stuff yeah it wasn't on the am radio you would listen to the fm the lower end of the yeah. fm and that's where you would hear all the music that they normally didn't play and you know so now we have youtube now we have all of these people having a chance to be heard but it's almost like too much Mm -hmm. because we can't keep up with it all you know it's just all coming i mean i know a lot of radio stations you know they're not getting as many cds as they used to because cds they don't even have cd players in cars anymore so you know but they're getting sent all of this music that they have to keep trying to get on to their show and usually a community radio station has only a few slots right that they can actually fit a, a, a certain number number of artists in so it's still not that easy to have your voice heard in today's world and um i think that uh you know, there are a lot of talented people out there. We're all trying to do something. I think that's the key, right, Ben? Do something.
2: I uh, yeah, and and part of it is is the motivation. I, you know, it's it, it's hard for people to to hone their skills and continue doing it without feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's always been true. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just. You know we, we have one very successful ongoing full-blown coffee house in in Burlington at this point I mean there was another which hopefully will you know they'll build uh, an entire building around of 242 main but you know that if you don't have a place like radio Bean, like that um, and you know, right is still bringing people in from elsewhere. I, you know, there's got to be places around that can afford to do it with audiences that will come and allow people to make mistakes, get feedback, come back again. It's not about the money so much as it is is about just getting yourself out there and taking the risk. You got to have places to do that.
1: That's what you know. The Burlington Coffee House was, you know, Rachel Bissex and, yeah, and Jeff Yeah, that's another Miller.
2: one. Yeah,
1: uh, they were doing it out of love. I mean, all of this stuff is out of love. I mean, that's what we're all trying to do. Is like, okay, you know, you're doing your art, and you're saying, boy, you know, I wish there were more places that we could do this. Instead of sitting around and thinking about, I wish there were more places to do it. <laughs> Let's try to find some. Start one up. Even
2: if it's in your living room. Well, Invite Ricky, a few okay. You know, it's still what you said in the first place about people getting off their ass and mm-hmm. coming out. Mm-hmm. Because, as you know, I run the North End Studios, and we have tried coffee houses, we have tried open mics, we've tried everything, it costs nothing, we pay them, you know, I don't, you know anything and everything. And do they show up? No, they don't.
0: We do have places like again in defense of millennials and people getting up off their asses. we do have uh, we do have places like radio bean that has like five six acts per day we've got places like yeah. nectars that have about three acts a night mm-hmm. we have uh you know um, number of Sub. festivals that yep. happen in the yep. summer yep. right and and so on and so forth what why in particular do coffee houses need to what what space the coffee houses uh occupying the is okay. it currently being occupied by the
2: other venues? A place like Radio Bean, you, that's not in the same category as some of the other things. You, you can get a spot in Radio Bean to try your thing mm-hmm. and it holds comfortably 35 people. You know, a full house there, if you're good with that full house of 35 people, you'll know it. Mm-hmm. Okay, they'll, they'll actually pay attention <laughs> then stop running in and out of the door. You know, it's not so much about getting drunk and hooking up in a place like that. Uh, festival, it's a whole different thing. Festivals cost a lot of money, mm-hmm. and there's a ton of headliners that are not local, or they were local and then they've made it. And yeah, they allow a few people at some point, you know, the, the kind of like the, the upper tier of the new people get to do the festivals so the real grassrooty stuff they used to you know I grew up in Manhattan near the village tons of places for people to fall on their faces night after night day after day tons of them you know and you you gotta you know yes there are a lot of bands and a lot of musicians in Burlington who are playing for their friends in their house Mm -hmm. and occasionally getting out there there's gotta you know um, I I, um, I train performers as well. And getting them to that first place, we recently got some videos now playing at the comedy club. And I swear, it was a year of pulling teeth just to get that guy, he's, he's Somali, you know, so he's talking about the ethnic experience, the immigrant experience of coming to America. It's hysterical. But, you know, here he is in North End Studio A telling it to me. It's like, okay, we got it, Abu. Now what? Okay, luckily the off-center does their, um, their fringe fest. Okay, so we got him a slot at the fringe fest. Boom. That's what did it. Okay, so it's the little places like that you know, where credentials are, you're gonna get up there and make an ass of yourself and you better not not show up, Mm -hmm. okay? You start with that kind of thing, they take that first step, they get the taste of an audience, and they either love it or they hate it, okay? But it's not, I got a three-day festival and I've put out 100,000 bucks and you better produce some money for me, buddy. You know, it's a it's a totally different psychology. So you've got to have that beginners. Beginners, you know, yeah, you're going to get one out of a hundred that's any good at all. But you've got to have a place for that hundred, and you've got to have people who are willing to spend their time with those people, being honest with them, nurturing them. That that's got to happen. And you know, all- these coffee houses, that was you know, that was one of those places. And I think that there's
1: also this, this whole uh, kind of way of thinking is you are the company that you keep. So when you put together a, a kind of a, a show like we're doing for the great uh, Vermont and Dance, we are putting together a lot of really wonderful performers. And they're all uh, going to uh, benefit uh, from off each other. You know, so, you know, Chris Kleeman will bring in some people who are, you know, really into the blues. While, you know, people who are into the traditional um, music will listen to April, you know, a- and, um, David. and David uh, Carpenter playing. Uh, and, you know, uh, Mitch Barron and Beth, you know, and Richard Wayne, they're doing uh, original
2: singer-songwriters, singer-songwriter. they? but they're yeah.
1: doing it with a theme of Vermont life that We wanted everything in this particular program to reflect who we are. And that's the signal that, that we're trying to send out. No, I didn't want to have another kind of a thing uh, where it was just a whole bunch of singer-songwriting going on. I wanted to be very focused. I wanted to be about a music that people don't get a chance to be exposed to as often. And that's folk music and it's always been that way and it always will be that way and that's okay but we need to have at least an opening now and then to feel good about who we are and, and to be able to say, yeah, I play this music and it's really kind of cool, you know, and all these other people are enjoying it. Mm. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of gray hairs out there like, you know, <clears throat> <laughs> like us, but, uh, but there's also a lot of young people a lot of young people across this country who love acoustic music, who love the five-string banjo and the fiddle playing. And the the cool thing is that they've been able to take the best of the technology of the YouTube videos and really not only learn from the old masters because there's, you know, YouTube videos of them, but also the young masters that are out there. So they are learning at an incredible pace compared to, you know, in the old days you had to hunt somebody down you know, and you had to try to sit with them and see if you could learn that song and If
2: you were in Poland and you were trying to play the Polish bagpipes, you had to drink a lot of vodka <laughs> <laughs> That's <not so> bad. <laughs> you know, it, Vermont has also done something as far as that I mean there's a lot of things about Vermont that are cool in this way. And, um, Mark Sustic has put together this young tradition young traditions and. Uh, what happens there is he pulls together people who are the, not the old, old masters, but people who are... Contemporary masters. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And they have sessions with them. They also get together all the time. They perform out, so they get that that component, mm-hmm. which kind of makes them, puts them on the spot. It's not like no do-overs, we've got to, you know, produce something. So So... And, and and that's been a very successful program, uh, and that's a Vermont roots thing as well, which is pretty cool. Uh, the thing I work a lot with uh, the refugee populations and and their groups, um, and it's a little different. It's kind of the old style of mommy and daddy are making me do this because it's part of my heritage, which I'm trying to get rid of. Uh, so you got. You know, a lot of language programs, dance programs, instrument programs, and again, you know, you end up with a hundred people doing it, and three of them will stay with it. But, but some of them yeah, who, who get into it, they really get they into really it. They really dig it. And this is the yeah. thing
1: that that was really cool about the the Vermont International Festival is it created an opening that had not been there before, where. You went there and you say, "Hey, listen to that band. They're playing. You know, they're playing Turkish music. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. You know, I mean, I never thought about playing Turkish music. Or you know, maybe I can play some some of my music there. And before you know it, another band came up and another band. And you go to the international festival these days, and there's so many varieties of music that weren't there ten years ago. Absolutely, a
2: lot of a lot of Latin American stuff, uh, which came out of a few bands to start with, and now there's a lot of African." African, um, diverse African Afro jazz mm-hmm. kind of stuff that that has popped up, and they play at Nectars as well as they'll play at the international festival. They the the, the blending of the music yeah, you know, is cool. Yeah, you
0: know. um, So guys, we, we are actually unfortunately running out of time, and I feel I have listen to you two. We'll
2: <laughs> and you do know we could talk oh, well, all the yeah, like
0: time. You don't have to worry about anything in <laughs> here. Yeah. Uh, do you want to uh, give us a quick rundown on all the, all the key details? Yes. Um, on, yeah. On It'll
1: be point on point Sunday, mm-hmm. this coming Sunday, the January, date. January 14th. And it will be starting at 1 o'clock Eastern Standard, Standard time. time and going till 2 o'clock. That's where the broadcast will be. And it is going to feature. Uh, The Green Mountain Volunteers, Chris Kleeman, uh, Mark Lavoie, Bill Schubart, and uh, Beth uh, Ducat, uh, Richard Wayne, and Mitch Barron, and myself. Uh, So we'll all be there playing and uh, singing and dancing, and uh, I think we want you folks to just pick up your phone and Find me on Facebook, Rick Polari on Facebook. It's R-I-K, then P-A-L-I-E-R-I is how you spell my name. And, you know, uh, your friends hopefully will keep sharing it so that that will uh, get out there. And hopefully next time,
2: Ben, we'll try to do it on that YouTube platform or another platform. there we be good. Uh, And if you happen to live in the Heinsburg area, Heinsburg Town Hall, right next to Lampman's, Free. RGA. It's free. Twelve thirty. Twelve thirty. Yeah. Show up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're gonna set up all the chairs, and you will watch the magic happen.
2: Bring your own beer. Yeah. back to
1: the 1940s <laughs>
0: again with a good old barnyard variety here
1: Yes. It, it should be a lot of fun. With and uh, yeah. And thank you, Tom, for for hosting us, uh, and thanks uh, to the radiator here. Uh, it's it's wonderful to to be back here. You it's know. Cool. Yeah, uh, cool. In the, this room, which is is quite the room, it, <laughs> it gives you that feeling of uh, you know.
2: Uh, and we didn't have never, to engineer it this I time. It was never, great. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, well, thank you guys so much for coming on. I wish you all the best um, with the great mob barn dance, and uh, best look to the uh, Green Mountain Volunteers and your hour of practice you're going to get for performing. <laughs> Uh, Next week, we've got the Vermont Youth Orchestra Association. Uh, Definitely worth listening to, um, to hear those guys next week. They are always fantastic to listen to. And uh, some good friends of mine, Zeus Springsteen. I'll be back on from 8 next Wednesday for the Rocket Shop. Until then, see you guys later.